0: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) The God Box Written by Stephen Atkinson Narrated by Ian McEwan Tyler Was Dying His body had lost its senses, beaten into a dull numbness that was colder than cold. He felt nothing. The effort of just trying to move caused another wave of fatigue to engulf him. He didn't want to die. Not like this. Not here. The landscape was blurred and dark and he could feel the menace in its bruised black and purple. Then the light came again, and for a second, his pupils grew small and pulled the illuminated panorama into focus, made it green and purple and brown, and it had no end. When the darkness returned, a dull vibration filled the bones of his face, The blood pulsed sluggishly in his ears, and images flashed inside his eyelids, red and dark, fleeting, elusive. It was as if he were riding a bicycle along a long wooden fence, solid and high, but every few yards there was a plank or two missing, and he could see to the other side. But the bike would not stop. His feet pushed against the pedals, He couldn't stop and stare. Through the fence, he saw the smoldering, burnt-out wreckage of the Sybil 16 flyer, its smooth lines distorted into a mess of abstract metal. Mackenzie was there, too. His features, like those of the ship's, were twisted and knotted in agony. The bicycle was racing faster now. The images were spinning and twirling, flashing into view for a microsecond until they were not pictures at all, just flickers of light, like flames. An image swirled as his eyes struggled to focus. He anchored his gaze on the crackling wood at the center of the vision. Then the images danced away until they were gone completely, and he was left with reality. He sat there for a long time, staring at a real fire. He could feel its warmth washing over him, smell the damp wood drying out. Something else was catching light inside him, too, and he knew what it was—life. Sitting close by the fire were two children, a boy and a girl. Knees hugged to their chests, watched the flames, entranced, singing under their breath. Tyler watched them a while, trying to read their twitching lips. He noticed the canteen by the girl's side, and it set his throat on fire in a fit of involuntary coughing as he tried to reach for it. When he had spat the last of the blood and bile out and his tear ducts had stopped gushing, He turned back to the children. They were on their feet now, a few yards away. The girl was the taller of the two. The tattered rags that passed for her clothes flapped loosely around the skeletal body. She seemed to absorb the bright colors of the fire and turn them a dull gray on contact. By her size, she may have been six or seven years old, but her face looked older. No laugh lines. The boy was slightly less fortunate. He seemed to have about as much substance as a wisp of smoke. His white hair and bloodless skin marked him an albino. Then, nature had kicked him again and made him blind as well. "'Ain't life a bitch,' Tyler held out a shaky arm to the girl and forced a weak croak from his mouth. It felt like he'd been gargling acid. The girl tossed the canteen over the fire within his reach. He threw the canteen back after three long, greedy gulps. Tyler felt like shit but no broken bones, just bruises and smoke-blackened cuts. Lucky to be alive. That's me, all right. Lucky Jim Tyler. Which is more than can be said for Mackenzie. He sat there for an hour or so, recovering his strength and trying to get some sense out of the kids. Communication was a problem. They spoke only amongst themselves in hissy whispers. They understood English well enough. When he asked for food, the girl pulled some foul-smelling roots from a large canvas bag. They stunk, but they were edible. It was difficult to make the girl understand that he wanted them to take him to their parents. The kids had seemed quite content to just sit and watch him forever. Tyler had other plans. Finally, they shuffled off. Tyler followed, glad of the slow pace. Even without the rain, the landscape was oppressive. The sulking sky rumbled distant threats. The one continuous cloud hovered like an immense gray glove, ready to disembowel itself and drown them in its blood on some mindless whim. The data he'd pulled out of the ship's computer before they ditched had been spot on. This wasn't a planet. It was a prototype for hell. This particular hell had been one of the colony planets from over a century ago. Back then, enormous financial incentives were offered to persuade families to start a new life in the dustiest corners of the universe. All the worlds were capable of supporting human life, at least theoretically. No drastic terraforming required, said the brochures. This was a Class C colony world, and a lifetime commitment for the hardiest of souls. It didn't work out. The colonization program had withered and died as soon as the Second Kopex War had kicked off. Battered and beaten by the harsh weather systems and abandoned by their support network, crops and livestock dead or dying, the colonists abandoned the untamed planet to the blackness. No, not quite abandoned after all. The kids were here. After a day of walking, as an unseen sun fell into the smudged horizon and the gray started to turn dark, the children gathered something that looked like charcoal and lit a small fire. Within an hour, the sky was black and starless. The retrieval signal Tyler had sent before the crash would have been received by now, and a drone pickup ship would be on its way. Four, maybe five days at the most, and it would be here. The sky was a thin barrier, and once through it, Tyler would leave this shitball planet and its miserable inhabitants to whatever fate had in store for them. Tyler had chosen his path a long time ago, and now he was so close to his goal that he could feel it like a long, hot kiss. Mackenzie had never understood that. If he had, he would have known that he would never have been allowed to share it. But he'd never even guessed. Tyler could see that in his eyes the second before he blew the poor, dumb bastard's brains out. What would Mackenzie have done with riches and power? Squandered them and become soft and fat? Tyler had done the poor guy a favor. Tyler turned and patted the bag that made his pillow. He slipped into sleep, content in the knowledge that beneath his head he had enough Kyrillium 6 for the rest of his life. The next day, the rain came again. Visibility was down to a few meters. The kids trudged on relentlessly. On the second night, the kids made camp by the edge of an enormous lake, its surface flat and calm as polished ebony. Tyler dipped the canteen he had pulled from the ship's wreckage. Catching his reflection on the surface of the water, Tyler saw that his beard was black and full. That would go as soon as he was off this planet. New man, new look. It was towards the end of the third day when they reached the camp. No more than a few huts made from a collection of century-old junk. "'Take me to your leader,' thought Tyler cynically. A few minutes later, wish granted, he found himself in front of a slightly larger heap of rubbish masquerading as a home. A large and curious crowd gathered as they made their way through the settlement— Now, as Tyler looked around, he noticed that no one appeared to be older than 14. Where were all the adults? Before he had time to process his thoughts, a disgusting curtain was pushed aside in the doorway of the hut, and a scrappy, pubescent boy emerged carrying a tattered old box. The expression on the boy's face told Tyler that whatever was in the box was obviously valuable beyond measure. The circle of children surrounding Tyler fell to their knees as their leader carried the box to Tyler. He placed the box gently at Tyler's feet and bowed. The crowd bowed, too. Tyler's curiosity peaked. More treasure? He couldn't believe his luck. He barely restrained himself from opening the box, but caught himself and looked around. Where the hell were the adults? Tyler leaned down to the box. Then the boy spoke. Father. What? said Tyler. Father, Father, said the boy again. This time, the surrounding crowd repeated the word in unison. So you speak, huh? Finally. So where are your parents? Where is your father? The boy just looked at the ground at his feet. Jeez. (sighs) Tyler blew out a breath, bent down, and pulled the lid off the box. There were three objects in the dusty box. Tyler pulled out an ancient letter and began to read. My dear children, supplies are now down to a few days. I can feel myself getting weaker. But you can survive. You are young. You will survive. Do whatever you must to survive until the rescue ships come. My heart will always be with you. You have the strength of youth, keep strong, your loving father, blah blah blah... Tyler tossed the scrap of paper back in the box and looked around again. Where are the adults? Maybe the dead guy who wrote the letter was the last of them, thought Tyler. Maybe something on this ball is killing everyone off as they reach puberty, giving them just a couple of years to make more kids, then sayonara. Well, how about that? Tyler picked the second object out of the box, a picture in a dusty, faded frame. He flipped it over to inspect the image on the other side. It was like looking in a mirror. It showed a dark-haired man in his forties, dark brown eyes, high forehead, and a full, dark beard. It could have been Tyler's brother. Tyler felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand up. What the hell? Hey, kid, is this your father? The boy looked at the frame, pointed slowly. Father. Then he pointed at Tyler. Father. What? It took Tyler all of ten seconds to process. Then it came to him. They think I'm him, returned from the dead, resurrected. He looked around. He could see it now, in their young faces. awe He was their ancestor, returned from the dead like some kind of god. Hilarious. Jim Tyler, atheist numero uno, a god. A god of a planet of children. Hilarious. This would keep him amused until the drone ship arrived and their god flew back to the stars. Tyler snatched the last object from the box. It was a parcel of rags wrapped around an odd shaped lump. It smelled disgusting, as if the whole thing had been steeped in some foul smelling herbs and left to rot for a thousand years. Tyler stripped away the rotten strips of cloth. What the hell? Tyler dropped the disgusting thing to the ground. He couldn't believe his eyes. It was a heart, a human heart, shrunken and dried out, and reeking of that disgusting herb smell. Tyler looked up. What the hell kind of people are you? And that is when he noticed. All the children were holding knives, sharpened from metal or hard plastic or bone. He was surrounded by a perfect circle, and they were closing in. David, the leader of children, wrapped the heart in fresh strips of cloth— little patches of blood soaking through, and placed it carefully in the box next to the other one. He was sad. He was sad that he bore the responsibility of leader, that he was the one who had to go. He felt a keen guilt at not being able to make his sacrifice to sustain his people. After all, he was nearly at the age of sacrifice— He could already feel the little hairs sprouting on his chin. Still, he had performed his other duties well. His seed had been planted and taken root so the youth would survive. That made him smile. Sighing, he picked up the box and stepped out of the tent. Outside, a small, gleaming spaceship sat waiting. It had arrived two days after the father had returned to provide sustenance just when they needed it the most. It was too small to carry more than one person, so David had reluctantly said he would go and return with a big rescue ship to carry them all. David climbed into the cockpit and lowered the canopy. It sealed with a quiet hiss. Outside, his people watched. The button marked, Return to Base, was flashing a bright green. David took one last look outside, then pushed the button. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Ever Stories. The God Box was written by Stephen Atkinson, narrated by Ian McEwen, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by JavaScript Ninja and Sam Robson. Say hello to my little friend. Actually, just say hello to our new patron, Joanna Walker. Thanks from all of us in the Haken City office of Chain, Joanna. Uh, it's with your ongoing support that we're able to do what we do, tell stories of people dying and dying. Thing. Uh, as a patron you'll get exclusive episodes and digital downloads and all the stuff a good horror podcast fan could want. So if you want to be as cool as Joanna, head over to patreon.com forward slash fork and cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar or a pound or about uh, the price of a packet of crisps. <laughs> Two packets of crisps. So until next time.